And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, whichever the case may be on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition, live tonight. Sorry about last night, but uh, thunderstorms and internet do not mix, certainly in New Mexico. Anyway, tonight we have an extraordinary program. I mean, I've done a lot of shows. I've done millions of shows on Coast and all kinds of other outlets. I probably, I probably can say with full candor that tonight's show is going to be one for the record books because as of last Wednesday, we have passed, in the old parlance of uh, the airline industry back when uh, Pan Am was flying the Pacific and uh, various long airline routes were were uh, stretched out and there was little in between where you could land we passed what they used to call the point of no return and that means that after what happened in the house of representatives on wednesday morning stretching into past noon has probably irrevocably changed not only american history but history as a whole as a planet we're going to Look back, I think, on that hearing and mark, as I've said in a couple of uh, previous weeks here, uh, B.C. and A.D. It used to be B.C. in terms of UFOs, ufology, UAP, APNIS, uh, whatever acronym the powers that be tried to use to confuse everybody. And tonight we are definitely in A.D. and we're going to spend the next three hours providing you our dear and good audience with absolutely irrevocable evidence that we in fact are in a whole new take a bow Stephen paradigm because there's so much going on in fact uh, it's it's really you know it's 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 the uh, affirmation of Roddenberry's rule remember Roddenberry's rule when I showed him many many years ago Sidonia and we spent the whole day talking about it and looking at images and going to the commissary and having lunch and and then going uh, back uh, uh, and and going through more photographs. And someone says to me, it's low volume, which is it? You know, type me a message, okay? Because I'm monitoring things and they look pretty good to me here on the board. Anyway, uh, Roddenberry's rule was, after I showed him all of Sedoni, he said, but Dick, if this was real, it would be on television. And I've coined the term Roddenberry's rule to apply to all of this foo-foo out of the, you know, normal everyday box stuff as if it doesn't follow Roddenberry's rule, people are not going to believe it. In order to be credible these days, it's got to be on television or at the very least widely reported in social media. Well, the Wednesday night hearing or the Wednesday afternoon hearing starting in the morning and going past noon definitely now passes the Roddenberry test because all kinds of things have exploded across Washington across the United States across the world and I'm going to go through some of those so for those of you who are new to the show let me uh, tell you what you need to do because we have links on Skype and images and all that stuff we call it radio with pictures And what you want to do is go to tonight's show. You want to click on tonight's banner on the other side of midnight.com with that gorgeous shot of the U.S. Capitol taken just before sunset with that weird swirly UFO thingy 
around uh, Lady Victory, which is the statue at the very top of the Capitol against that gorgeous reddish sunset. Click on that. That will take you to our... Uh, um, uh, actually, you have to click on... Let's see. You have to go up to the top where it says uh, Stephen Bassett and EM Team, the historic July 26th hearing. Go up to that. Click on that. That will take you to the um, guest page. And on the guest page, you will see a duplicate of the banner. And that duplicate underneath, you'll see where it says uh, Fast Links to Items. Click on My Name. That will take you to my uh, Radio with Pictures items. Um, I have several related to the hearing in tonight's news. The first is from Fox News. UFO whistleblower testifies his life was threatened over secret alien tech retrieval. And item number two. The UFO congressional hearing was insulting to U.S. employees, a top Pentagon official says. That's the director of the so-called Arrow program in the Pentagon, which is devoted to anomaly studies now. Remember, they've gone from UFO to UAP to UAP, where the A is not aerial, it's anomalous. And some people are now going back to UFOs because it's just, well, it's what they are. You know, unidentified flying objects started this whole whole thing like decades and decades ago. Seventy plus years ago, the current flap began. Item number three, again related, is the UFO curious lawmakers are bracing for a fight over government secrets. What we clearly saw at the hearing was there is a dichotomy between those folks that are trying to get to the truth and those folks in the U.S. government who are still, I guess I didn't get the memo, trying to keep everything in the dark, keep it ambiguous, keep it confusing, keep it uh, bureaucratically mired down in red tape and protocols and all that stuff. And they're really fighting a last-ditch effort to keep the secrets. Item number four is very interesting because, as I've said on a couple of shows, I think I said it last Sunday when we have Stephen on, that when this happened, when the UFO hearing was held on Wednesday in Washington on Capitol Hill, it would be, as my grandmother would have said, Katie bar the door. Because <clears throat> everything was going to come falling out of the closet and there would be extraordinary reverberations and echoes and and uh, resonances all throughout the world in terms of news coverage, in terms of network coverage, in terms of blogs, in terms of social media, in terms of everyday, so that what they used to call water cooler conversation. And all of that is coming true. And all you have to do is click on that number four link to see that uh, BuzzFeed has apparently now published uh, 13 or 14 um, UFO and alien encounters that people are now sharing. And this is only, mixing our metaphors madly, the opening of the floodgate or the tip of the iceberg, because you're going to see so much more of this now that the unthinkable, which is Washington speak, Washington representatives, Washington bureaucrats, all sat in a formal hearing where the witnesses were under oath and remember, if you lie under oath, you go to jail. So the witnesses all were telling as close as the current legal fabric of the United States can, can guarantee it, the truth. 
And the backlash coming from the head of the Arrow program over at the um, Pentagon was very interesting because they're obviously, the, the hearings as they progress, they're going to call him on the record, put him under oath, and then we're going to see who was telling the truth. This is the beginning of an extraordinarily interesting unfoldment, as Bassett has been promising us for longer than I've been. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding, Stephen. Just kidding. Okay. So let me uh, lead number five for the conversation because it's very relevant when we get into the discussion, as you're going to see. Um, and uh, let me introduce our, our panelists. First of all, we've got Stephen Bassett, who, of course, is the uh, founder and chief executive officer of Paradigm Research Group, which has been the Washington lobbying effort for so many years under his stewardship uh, to get what happened last Wednesday. And uh, I'm going to only be very brief about these bios because you can just go to the website and read them. And for most of you, you know who these people are. They've been part of our assemblage on Saturdays and Sunday nights for years. Uh, we've got Barbara Honiger, who served in a very high-level government position, uh, many, including the White House as a policy analyst, special assistant to the president for domestic policy. She's director of the attorney general, or was director of the attorney general's law review at the Department of Justice, and for more than a decade was the senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School, I guess, in Annapolis. And, of course, she is the co-chairman of the Board of Investigative Inquiry uh, for 9-11 Truth uh, from the Lawyers Committee. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. She's got the first Ph.D. in parapsychology from the JFK University there in Northern California and uh, all kinds of other credits to her to her uh, renown. Uh, Robert Morningstar is with us. He's a civilian intelligence analyst, an investigative journalist, and a psychotherapist who is currently living in New York City. He's also deeply into photo interpretation and AI. He's an expert in Chinese. Um, he's a, a Tai Chi master. I think I'm getting, getting that right. He's a light licensed pilot, etc., etc. Um, we've got Keith Morgan with us, who of course used to be with Ted Koppel and is now our incredible fortune to have him as the internet guru for the other side of midnight, as well as the other side of the news. And David Sarita is with us. And David is a polymath. He is a generalist. Um, he's got an extraordinarily interesting background. He actually does technology based on hyperdimensional physics, and we can probably get into that a little while. He's produced and scored music. Um, he's done HD jewelry. He has co-produced, directed, and edited scores of documentary films. Uh, he's written many books on these and other interesting subjects, such as Evidence the Case for NASA UFOs, um, Singularity, uh, Differentials Face-to-Face -face with Jesus Christ, and jointly with his wife, Mona Lisa's Little Secret and God's Great Pyramid. And last but not least, Ron Gerbron is with us. Ron, of course, is our resident generalist, uh, whose specialty is Martian archaeology, if there is a specialty to being a generalist. And I think with that, what I'm going to do is open the floor to everyone in the order in which I introduce them to basically talk about their reaction 
like in a minute or two, to what happened at the hearing on Wednesday morning, and then we'll take it from there. So give us your summary in a couple of minutes as to what you think happened at the hearing and what does it portend. Let's start with Stephen. Mr. Bassett. Hello. Okay, well, if Stephen's not available, let's go to Barbara. Why am can I not? Hear me? Now I can, can hear you? you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stephen isn't, uh, isn't on yet? No, he's obviously been delayed. He was here and then he was gone and he'll be back. So. Oh, I certainly hope so. Yes, he will. Okay. Don't, don't worry. Okay. Well, it's interesting. Um, more than it, more than anything else, I'm here to see to hear what Stephen has to say and <laughs> respond to it. Um, so I guess that'll have to wait a bit. Um, I was impressed, frankly. Um, I was very impressed. Everybody simply has to watch the whole hearing. Um, do you have the link? To the video of the two-hour hearing. Yeah, it's actually it should be retitled. It should now be the archive recording at the top of the homepage of the other side of midnight. Just click on that link or click on the image, the graphic, and it takes you right to the archive recording of the entire two and a half hour hearing. Okay, so that's on the homepage, not one of, of your the, items. Of the no, it's not one of my items tonight because it's on the homepage. We can probably move it over, Keith, if you could do that. Yeah, I think be a good idea to move it over maybe make it 1a of yours because it's 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 what everyone needs to see um i was actually impressed um more so than i expected to yeah, be i was very impressed and i didn't believe i was going to be and i thought to myself this is astonishing this is the type of congressional hearing that i used to know way yeah. back in the area of, of dirksen or mitchell or any of the of the giants of the Congress of old, because everybody was really on point. Everybody had thought very carefully about their questions. Everybody was complimentary of everybody. I mean, Cortez and Comer were on the same panel asking damn good questions. I was fascinated. Yeah, well, and, and people were trying to make political, you know, points off of each other. Nope. It was truly bipartisan because... Um, they've seen the light that this is a genuine national security issue. Well, I think it's I said it. It's a genuine global security issue. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I, I think I said it last week. Uh, there's so much clown car nonsense going on in Washington right now. But on this subject, the measure of its seriousness and how adult people can be when they're really trying was evidenced in that hearing on Wednesday. I didn't see or hear one grandstanding statement no. that made uh, deprecated the other side. It was astonishingly positive without the content. And of course, the content was mind-blowing. The content was mind-blowing. And, um, you know, we're used to congressional hearings where the witnesses basically uh, either prevaricate or dissemble uh, or don't say anything or you know lie and in this case um, there were there were hard-hitting simple questions do you believe that you know one I can't remember who who said it but uh, one of the um, members of, of Congress of the House of either party can't remember would ask a simple question close to the end of the hearing 
is this a national security threat? And there were three witnesses, and instead of, you know, a speech uh, that kind of talked around the bullseye, they said, yes, yes, yes. It can't be Absolutely. clearer than that. It cannot be clearer than that. Nope. Um, so that that's my general comment. I'd like to hear the others, and I'd like to bounce off Steve. I sure hope he comes back. Okay, well, let's bring up Robert. Mr. Morningstar, you're on. I was very pleased with the whole thing, and I'm glad that everybody showed up. I had some concerns as to whether there'd be any sabotaging of witnesses, but um, overall, I'm very happy, very satisfied. I think it was uh, Stephen Bassett's dream come true. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say the jig is up, the cat is out of the bag, or the cat is out of the box, and or the cat is among the pigeons. No, no. Schrodinger's cat is alive. <laughs> yes, definitely. A la Heisenberg. Schrodinger's cat is alive. We open the box, and the cat is alive, and he ain't going back into the box. Sorry, sorry. That wasn't Heisenberg. It was Fermi who proposed that bizarre experiment where you seal a cat into a box with a radioactive element. Yeah, but, but, will, but it's, called, it's called Schrodinger's paradox. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you don't know whether the cat's alive or dead until you open the box. Well, right. The cat's it's very alive. much alive. As Dr. Frankenstein said, it's alive, it's alive. <laughs> Remember? Yes, Sound of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, well, you can see I'm very excited about it, very happy that it turned out the way it has. I know that uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick of the Arrow uh, Committee is not happy because he was exposed as a dissembler, a liar, and the next day, I said I wrote to uh, Senator Gillibrand that he should just resign. He's been exposed as just another shill for the cover-up. So, hasta la vista, Dr. Kirkpatrick. We need somebody there. Who's well, I would do one more thing. I would have him before the committee, the next hearing, and, and, I, and I would have the panel ask him key questions and then compare his testimony now, whenever the hearing is held, with what he testified before, and then ask him to explain the disparity, because yeah. I'll bet he can't. He can't. Well, you know, well, I, I want to take the shortcut. We just got to have to get rid of all the liars, dissemblers, obfuscators, and obstructors. And he is there. You saw it. You said it yourself, you know, when you, when you did the program in June. It was June 19th that they had that meeting. He said, you know, Sean Kirkpatrick got up there and, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't reveal anything. He was covering up everything. Yeah, so this, this was a four-hour NASA uh, panel foreshadowing the recommendations to the administrator, which right. is the NASA part of the UFO investigations going on now at several different levels in the U.S. government. Right. Will wonders never cease? There was, and I did say last week, that the Navy has been trying to tell the truth forever. And we had two Navy guys, and when they asked how they were being treated, uh, Commander Fravor said, great, the Navy's you know all supportive. But when we talked about Grush, uh, Grush I said, who was who's threatening Grush, the US Air Force? And he revealed that that's absolutely the truth. So I said last week, the two big obstructors 
the cover-up artists have been the CIA and the U.S. Air Force, and they are the ones that have the most to lose by this revelation. Now, Grush made a very interesting statement that really caught me off guard. <laughs> Only he, one? Well, no, one <laughs> in particular. You know, he was talking about whether he'd seen bodies, you know, not, not personally, or their records, not personally, but he said... My wife and I, the things that my wife and I observed are very disturbing. And for him to bring his wife into the picture with a common experience together speaks volumes to me in terms of alien intrusion. You know, in my archives, I didn't have a chance to send it to you for this show. But in my archives, I have a photograph that was sent to me in 2012 by a U.S. Army sergeant. The U.S. Army sergeant was in bed with his, his uh, lady, and there was an alien intrusion. Mm. And, of course, a U.S. Army sergeant is going to stand up. He stood up to fight the alien. The alien. He's going to reach under his pillow for his forty-five and stand he up. Didn't. He, didn't sleep. he didn't sleep with a forty-five, but he slept with something else near his, near his uh, bed. He got up to confront the alien. The alien, with one flip of the arm, threw him completely over the bed, and mm. he landed and he was in shock. The alien grabbed his girlfriend and the sergeant, realizing he had no power to overcome this, this entity, he grabbed his U.S. Army-issued night vision camera and he shot a photograph oh. of the alien carrying his lady off. Good move. And wow, what presence ah, of mind. Well, presence of mind. He wrote it to me and he said, listen, I'm sending you this picture. I can't do it officially. You know, I would be court-martialed but this is what happened. The alien came in. I tried to fight him. He threw me over the bed. I knew I was powerless. I grabbed the camera and shot this picture. And I have a night vision photograph of an alien abducting a woman. And that's what came to mind when uh, Grush mentioned that. Well, wait a minute. Everybody's asking, did they bring her back? Oh, they took her away and they brought her back. Oh, good. Okay, okay. You know, they, always, they almost always, put, in rare cases, they don't come back. But they almost always put back the victim. Uh, let's see. Another thing, something that uh, Tim Burchett said really struck me. He said, we have to take back our government. We're fighting against the devil himself. That speaks volumes. So they all know that the greatest threat to our republic and the Constitution is what Dr. Greer has labeled the ISG, the illegal secret government. So... I'm well, I think, for- Robert, and then we're, I'm going to move on to Keith because I want his reaction. I think that, you know, in the whole UFO cover-up going back 71-plus years, we can see the beginnings of the so-called deep state all around the globe over this issue, which then has metastasized into all kinds of other, other government processes that should not be secret from citizens anywhere. But I think, exactly. it be- I think it began with the alien problem. How mm-hmm. do we, post-World War II, explain away this absolutely uncomfortable, unbelievable new reality? Well, it's exactly as you say. And what happened is that the CIA used the National Security Act of 1947 and 48 and uh, arrogated to itself immense power. Well, wait, wait, didn't they help write it? Yeah, they helped yeah. write it. Yeah, they shaped it so it would cover anything. Anything. And then 
They got in cahoots with the Air Force. Then they put the muscle, the economic muscle, on all the other countries to come on board. And in the process, as revealed to um, to me and to Barbara Honiger by a former CIA agent uh, named Gordon Ferry, slowly the CIA, a.k.a. the company, became a commercial enterprise. Mm-hmm. And the company took over more and more and more corporations, where today they probably own half the earth. BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and... Uh, have most governments in their pocket. And that's why this upper layer of so-called elites are now thinking that they're the kings of the world. Who made Klaus Schwab the Führer of Europe? Who made who made Bill Gates uh, God to be able to block the sunlight? And while I'm saying this, I want to say this. It's an insane idea. Bill Gates has no right to try to block the sunlight, but he's really screwing the planet because at the same time that he's putting a shell uh, nanoparticles to fend off the heat of the sun. He's creating a oh, shell that, around the earth. Hold on, hold on. He's hold, he's creating a shell around the earth to hold the heat that we are generating in. So he's well, that's not the way to do it. And I'm going to do a whole program or more than one on a much better idea. But I think we passed the point of no return on global warming. And one of the underlying reasons for the urgency, remember part of the conversation after Wednesday was why the urgency, why a Schumer jumping on the bandwagon, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's because without hyperdimensional technology, pun intended, our goose is cooked. We have passed uh, the it, point of return. Oh, no I think return. the whole uh, he, uh, Earth overheating is uh, bogus. And no, it's political. not. It's just not. Well, you don't. You don't is, combat it the way opinion. the mainstream is talking about it. Let us. Let, let us not argue right now. Let's well, say that. This is my opinion. Okay. Let's okay. go on. Uh, Keith, what was your reaction? Uh, you, you're going to have to give me a minute because I'm trying to get Ron and okay. Stephen on. Stephen just came in. Okay. Right. Then let's go to Stephen. Talk to Steve. Mr. Bassett. Hello. You should be grinning ear to ear. You should be drunk on champagne 24-7. You should be dancing an Irish jig in the streets right in front of the White House over on Pennsylvania. What else could you do that would be outrageous and would wind up on television? What oh, did I you... Could, I, could, I could do Other Side of Midnight with Richard Hogan. No, That's I'm, true. That's true. I'm saving the dancing and the champagne for the afternoon, late afternoon, early evening of Friday sometime in September when the president steps in front of the podium in the east wing, wing of the White House and says... Yes, I am convinced there is an extraterrestrial presence. Then I celebrate. Until then, we're not there yet. Oh, it's like going to Allentown. Are we there yet? Are we there? Okay, so start at the beginning. Hmm? What was your reaction to the hearing? But frankly, you were able to pull off a miracle. You got into the hearing itself, right? Danny Shane and I got in. Uh, I got there at uh, about 7.30 in the morning coming through the tunnels because I knew how to get there, whereas the other people, some people were standing outside waiting for the building to open, whatever. The point is, is that as someone who knows the issue very well, particularly the, the political history of the issue, I was picking up on all kinds of things which uh, I think people who do not know the issue wouldn't have gotten. I mean, they would have gone right by them. And it was all there. Everything you could possibly want was there, <laughs> except it wasn't where it was supposed to be, 
which is in a in this a Senate hearing room with millions of people uh, watching from around the world, probably three to four or five witnesses. Uh, that was where it was supposed to be, but that's not the way it worked out. The way it worked out is the House made a move. The Oversight Committee made a move because Tim Burchett was on that committee, and he, he was getting a lot of press and media, uh, and the other members of the committee were watching, including the chairman, Comer, and they said, hmm, we have, an, we have a subcommittee that's appropriate in terms of its subject matter. We'll hold the first hearing. And so they, he is, the Comer assigned the task to Burchett and to uh, Anna Paulina Luna, one of the great names in the history of Congress. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And, 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 and very sharp, too, by the way. And, and, and they, they put the hearing together. I was certainly concerned as to what witnesses they would get because nobody has to appear before the hearing, uh, a hearing unless they're subpoenaed. Uh, they weren't going to do that. Uh, and most of the witnesses have been interviewed, but not for that hearing, for the Senate intel. But they got three good witnesses. They got Graves. They got um, uh, Fravor. And they got per, uh, a Grush. The reason they got Grush, who is the, 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 definitely the mega witness at this time, is because he is not just a witness. He's a whistleblower. Uh, he's made it clear that he is. He's made it clear the, that he feels the policy is illegal. He was also being harassed for just doing his job inside. He filed a complaint that went on for some time. And so he got more threats. And that's why he went public with the aid of uh, Blumenthal and Leslie Kane, the article in the debrief and so forth. And so an opportunity to appear before a committee, he was going to take it. He was going to wait for, for uh, Mark Warner to finally pull the trigger on the Senate intel. And so they got him. And so off they go. Okay, hang yeah. on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're slightly late, so let me do this and this. Here on the other side of midnight, my guest this morning, too numerous to mention, just go to the other side of midnight and you'll see their listing there. Stephen and Barbara and Robert and David and Keith and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ron will join us very shortly. Um, this is a very interesting night. This, I mean, there's a lot of talk these days about all kinds of amazing and extraordinary things that are happening. We're about to indict a president for uh, insurrection. Uh, there is uh, extraordinary things going on uh, in Israel tonight, which should not be going on. Um, there are uh, real-world consequences of global warming. I've had 20 days here of over 100 degrees. It normally is 88. Robert, I don't know where you are, but obviously uh, you're not watching the global picture or you're listening to the wrong people because global warming is real. The solution is is got to be accelerated drastically because I think there was a study the other day that said that things are happening much sooner than the, quote, scientific community thought they would. And when you're dealing with nonlinear systems and climate and meteorology are totally nonlinear, projections are always in error because the systems are just too damn complex. And then on top of all of this, we have breakthroughs in Washington in a House hearing, which has suddenly made almost a household term, the idea of the deep state, the idea of government suppression, the idea of government, uh, uh, you know, attacking witnesses, trying to keep them censored. In other words, the whole ufology thing, as my grandmother would have said if she was still alive, you pull on one thread of the quilt and the whole thing can unravel. And the quilt of the cover-up 
for the last 70 plus years has begun to dramatically on global television unravel. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. There is so much more to come. Don't touch that dial. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night on uh, July 30th, 2023. I think this would be called, in any other parlance, a hinge moment of history. I mentioned Roddenberry's rule early on. Well, it's only partially true because not only to be believed by the general population does it have to be on television, and even by the insiders. I've seen this pattern now for, for years, that even if they get the, the briefing and the, you know, the book with all the classified markings and all that, if they don't see it on television, they don't believe it. Or at least they don't really believe it. And the other part of that is if it's on to- total global television and it's from the House or the Senate of the United States Congress and the witnesses are under oath... They are commanded by law under penalty of jail time, perjury, to tell the truth. It adds to the Roddenberry rule, and that's what happened just a few days ago. And so welcome to AD, and let's bring back Stephen and talk about what you saw live during this historic hearing. 
Richard, I have a burning question for Stephen. Oh, by all means. Yeah, Stephen, um, I heard it claimed, and I'd like to know if you know if it's true, um, that the somebody on the uh, House committee, subcommittee, um, didn't want the witnesses under oath, but the witnesses demanded to be under oath and got that. Is that true? I have heard, I have not heard that. I mm. consider that highly unlikely. When you uh -huh. have a hearing like that, everybody, people are going to be under oath, and the idea that somebody on the committee would not have wanted that would have been odd, and there would have been zero chance that anybody would have gone along with it. So that's all yeah. I can say. Well, about that. thank you. Um, that was one of the, you know, CBS or ABC News. Okay, thank you. Okay, I, I'm, it's possible somebody raised the point, uh, but. Uh, no way that was going to happen. Okay, okay Richard. Steve, gonna, hang, on, hang on, Steve. Before we get into details, I just wanted like an overview from each person. I've got a couple more to go through. Then we'll come back to you because you were there. Is that okay? I guess. I mean, what constitutes an overview? Two minutes. You've already set the scene. Oh. This is historic. Oh. You appreciate well, look, it. Here, look. Let me let me uh, let me I'll, let me just start, and you can then we can come back to me. Okay. Look, first of all, I'm going to give the audience an important tip. If if somebody under oath is asked a question like, "Are you aware there's uh, there are extraterrestrials engaging the planet?" and the answer is, "I cannot talk about that in open session, but I will in private session," that is a yes. Okay, just ke keep that in mind. That's what that is. And based upon on these very scripted questions, or a lot of scripted questions, designed specifically to for this to happen. Well, even right? at one point, Luna, when Grush was trying to do his incredible bureaucratic shorthand, which was most annoying, I wish he would know how to speak English, she actually said, you need to say what you were going to say to put it on the record no, under no, but the, oath. The, the reason that she said that is that he had stated that I can say that he, he was referring to something that he said he could say in private session only, but he was referring to something that he had said on News Nation. And since he'd said it on News Nation, well, actually, no, what he said is, uh, as I have already stated, right? And he was referring to something he'd said on yeah, News Nation. Yeah, and she very rightly stated. said, no, you need to it. put it on the record here. That's right. So she asked them to restate it. I'm referring to things that they cannot talk about publicly. There were questions that were asked, very scripted questions. That they knew the answer was going to be, I cannot talk about that in public session, knowing that the way those questions were asked, people would know exactly what the answer was, which was yes. And so based upon that, once you got that down, you understand that, here's what we learned at this hearing. One, there's a non-human presence engaging the human race. Two, we have multiple crash vehicles. Three. And some of them are intact and flyable. I, I don't know that. He didn't say that. Oh, yes. In other venues, question. he said they're intact. Some of them are okay. intact. All right. He said that. Fine. Uh, we have bodies. Yes. Okay. There has been a multi, multi-decade uh, project to embargo this issue from the American people. We learned that. All right. We and hang on, that. hang on. And we learned that the inside deep state uh -huh. has been operating above the level of congr congressional oversight, which made everybody on that panel very mad. Yes, indeed, Richard. And uh, uh, <laughs> okay. 
All right, all right. Look, a little joint project here. We're giving a joint overview. Um, and, and let's see, what else? It's hard for me to keep a train of thought, Dick. Uh, uh, what else have we learned? But, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, we have learned one hell of a lot. We have learned that many, many uh, insiders have been harassed uh, over the, over the years and even re recent years. We learned that there were injuries and some deaths probably in the early days uh, when we were confronting this phenomena. Okay. Um, boy. Uh, well, let me break that, that down into two parts because Grush was very clear that some of the injuries and deaths were due to government action. And others yeah. were due to people, scientists, engineers, who basically messed with technology, which if you don't know what you're doing, it will kill you. He didn't say it that bluntly, but he basically what he was saying is that there are injury deaths connected to the phenomena. He didn't get the specifics in order. He said he'd have to go into private session or uh, secure session to do that. Now, all of these things we know, all of these things were known to the researchers in this field. But. They hadn't been stated publicly under oath. And um, to make another point, some time ago, I, I was making a very, very important point to my podcast audiences as I was talking, giving interviews. When, as we approach disclosure, and certainly after we get disclosure, there's only two kind of answers the public are going to uh, get and had, and had better get and expect. Two answers and two only. One, under oath, the absolute truth to the question, or two, I cannot speak about that in open session, but I can speak to you in private session. Those are the only two answers that will be permissible. Any attempt to, quote, lie because you just don't want to talk about it or you know misdirect or anything else, the people via the Internet and the journalists are going to crush you. And I think they're already getting that because that whole hearing was that way. If he couldn't say it in public, they ask him a question that made him uh, – not made him, but allow him to say, I can only go in private session. And that includes he made it clear that he knows the names of the people involved in the USAPs. He knows the names of the program. He knows where the, much of this material is housed. He knows the corporations that have it. Or, and he has provided that already to several intel committees. So when you look at it that way, what I'm trying to say is that was a massively important event that the vast majority of audience probably don't understand how important I do. And it sets the stage for the Senate. And when they get going and what you're going to hear in that testimony is going to take the truth embargo down. It's going to end it once and for all. Stephen? So Yes. Go ahead, Barbara. Yeah. Um, during the hearing, it was stated, and the members of Congress were very upset about it, um, that they were denied access to the SCIF. Um, has that been remedied, you know? My understanding is that um, they actually took a number of these witnesses into a SCIF after the event. Now, uh -huh. that might have been a misinterpretation of they took them into a private session all right. In other words, you don't have to be in a skiff to receive classified testimony, but in certain instances you do. Uh, what what happened is that again the 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 move the move by the, uh, the oversight committee caught a lot of people by surprise. This was a force majeure. Move. Wait, wait, wait. What are those people? You mean on the Hill government? In other words, yeah, the people media? on the Hill. Uh, journalists, others did not did not expect the uh, the House Oversight Committee to make a move on this, uh, and and that's because they underestimated how much influence Bush was having with uh, with Comer, the chair. And so when they, so they called this committee, 
Okay, now let me let me. I'm going to try not to be. I'm going to be fair here. This was a nonpartisan event. They went to great lengths to make it a nonpartisan event, and I applaud them on that. However, I can assure you that the fact that a Republican-held committee in the House made a move to be the first hearing on this subject since 1968 was very uh, political. They wanted a piece of the action. They didn't want the the Senate uh, Democrat-run Senate Intel Committee to get all of the action, and so they made a, a quick and bold move. But they got a little ahead of their skis, and so as an as, and so there's a certain amount of grandstanding going on there. Well, when those three members went down to Eglin, they were grandstanding. They thought they could just walk in, go up to some colonel or something, and say, "Look, we want to see this. We want to see that." Uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not the way it works, okay? And they were overstating the amount of power and clearance they had. Well, have. wait, it's wait, 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 wait. Let me let me stop you there. I think it was a deliberate move to provoke the Air Force to do what it did to create public interest and controversy prior to the hearing. Uh, e- well, either way, it's grandstanding. If it was, yeah, but if I it think was it was provoke- deliberate grandstanding. Well, no. Well, grandstanding is by definition deliberate, uh, Richard. Uh, it, it, either way, they were ahead of their skis. Now, if it, if it was to get a certain effect fine if it was actually to try to get information in a grandstanding way it wasn't going to work and so they probably irritated the air forces so there was a little a little back and forth going on there leading into it uh pride of place and all that stuff small potatoes not important not a big deal at all just a hearing thrown together quick notice moving quickly uh trying to move around i assure you the senate the state senate intel committee the illustrious Senate Intel Committee is going about things in a more deliberate, high high production way, and these kinds of problems will not happen. Stephen? Yes, sir. Uh, I have a small question. This is Ron Gerbron speaking. Hi, Ron. Hi. Uh, well, I agree. I agree with large chunks of what you're just saying there, so I didn't, I'm not stepping in to attack you, but could you give a short definition of what would qualify something to be uh, presented in a skiff as opposed to a yeah. secure, confidential, etc., uh, that um, as opposed to in open session, because I, I have the impression it mostly means that there wouldn't be any follow-up questions, because you don't have to give more truth than you want to if you're in a situation like that. You know, you just say, sorry, that's outside the bounds. No, and, um... uh, Okay, well, look. Not. Uh, look, every every question, every answer to any question in the national security arena has got some degree of classification attached to it. Of course it does. And these and these degrees of classification are complex uh, and somewhat interpretive. For instance, ways you know uh, ways and uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, ways and means. Not ways and means, but um, sources and, and, and sources and, and methods. Sources and methods, right? Again, what is a source and what is a method and what have you? But everyone has a certain level of classification, and uh, I think some material would 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 be could be would, might might be at a level that just ha- being in a room, say in a Senate office, uh, talking to somebody who has the proper clearance, which would be certainly a, a member of the Intel Committee, you could you could talk. Some things, however, are so sensitive that you have to go into a skiff. And what a skiff is is a room that is technically, theoretically impenetrable. 
in any way. It's just a and Faraday so cage. There. It just keeps radio waves out and everything in. It's more than a Faraday right. cage. Yeah. You, Richard, can't, you can't, Richard, you can't get to be more a than a Faraday really cage. Yes, David? Because that's where Andy Ogles, representative of Tennessee, said during a skiff he would invoke the Holman rule which would strip those Air Force generals of their salaries and their funding, forcing the, the rabbit out of the hole or the fox out of the den so that they could get inside because they were denied access. This committee was denied access from the Air Force general to go in and the pilots were threatened to be stripped of their titles. So then again, he said they would, Andy Ogles, Representative Tanny, said they would um, invoke the Holman rule in that skiff situation what, so that's uh, that's exciting are we talking about a specific situation here or as a general idea that's what they would do no that was during the hearing during the hearing andy ogle said yeah that he he vowed to this is in the press i mean and i watched the hearing front to back it's in the I transcript that was, Who's that andy was ogle? who is andy he's ogle? representative tennessee he i think he had the bandana on i think he was no 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 that was jeremy no, no, that, that was, was jeremy that was, raskin that was jamie haskins okay, there's so, no there's no member yeah of the representative ogle. andy ogle is a rep is a republican from tennessee along with burchette oh vow to do this is in the press i heard him say this i don't know i don't remember what he looked like it's this is literally it says there are here is who threatened to use the Holman rule during the hearing, and that was Andy Ogles, representative of Tennessee, vowed to do just that, saying that he would personally volunteer to initiate the Holman rule against any personnel or any program or any agency that denies access to Congress. Uh, okay, oh, 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 now it's coming back to me. Ogles, yes, okay. What Could he you was, please what, say what the Holman rule is? Well, the whole, I just said it. The Holman Rule Hang on, is, hang on. David, David, you wrote it to me. Let, me. let me read it. The Holman Rule is a house power through which they can strip the salary of a specific government position from civil servants, fire them, or cut a particular program. Well, okay. Which was used... ...has abrogated to itself. No, it's part of the legislative process. I mean, is it in the law? Yes, of oh, course yes, it's it in the law. Was, it was used. Remember, all funding starts in the House. So, you know, they've been saying for years, if the House doesn't like something, like the Supreme Court won't do ethics, you know, take away their funding. Well, that's my question. Is it part of a federal statute, this Holman Rule, because, because they're talking about one branch of government, the congressional branch, firing somebody in the executive branch? I don't think the Supreme Court would like that. It has nothing to do with that, Barbara. It's uh, it's a tit for tat thing. It's saying that if you violate the principle behind, the, in this case, a skiff, you know, secured transfer of information to someone who has the air quotes need to know, uh, that if you violate that and try and use that process as a subterfuge in order to not convey any information that was expected under the situation, in this case, the hearings, uh, then yes, you could be considered a uh, renegade, if you will. That's not, <laughs> not one of their words. And uh, be stripped of your um, whatever they could strip. Well, uh, no, wonder they, uh, no, no, no wonder they didn't uh, 
allow them into the skiff then? No, 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 no. folks, please. We're getting off far field. Into left why? field. Why? 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 Why, Stephen? Right. Why isn't this right. off topic? Context right. is everything. I, I, I'm, That's all so I'm going to say. Let me let me clarify. Now that I have been reminded, what ogles? How did I miss? Ogles? I went to see. Every, I visited the office of every single one of his, the, the committee, and I don't recall seeing ogles. Okay, look, what he was doing is saying that if necessary, you know, we, if we're, if, if things are going to get tough, if necessary, we get people in a skiff. They're not going to cooperate. I can invoke the Holman Rule. Now, the Holman Rule is tricky, right? It's been invoked only in various time periods. Uh, it's a rule of the house, all right, and I think that it was revived, I think, recently uh, and therefore can be applied. So it's tricky, but let's assume that they can do it, and, and I'll, I'll assume that. He was saying, I'm willing to go that far. He was not saying that the Holman rule was going to be used with the people that were going to be in the skiff or had, were going to come into the skiff prior to the event. There is that kind of contention is not happening. But he was saying if it comes to that, yeah, I'll I'll invoke it. Okay, fine. That's fine. All right. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to have to. We're in a very high state of cooperation here. Everybody is trying to be cooperative and get on board. Thank goodness. And uh, that's what I, just the only clarification I wanted to give. I want to say the Holman rule is effective. It puts the fear of the Lord in the obstructionist, and it was most recently used to force. Uh, Christopher Ray to give up the secret file. And ah, interesting. Right. Mm. So he coughed it up after they told him they were going to cut his salary. Google, Google yeah, is your yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it, so hang on, hang on. Stephen, please. Let's hope it won't come to that. Let's just hope it won't come to that. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, are you finished with your opening remarks? Because I think so. Okay, okay. I want to obviously come back to you. We've got three other people. Keith, I wanted to go to you next. What your reaction was? You've spent, you know, decades working for a major network in that town. Had you ever seen anything like this on Capitol Hill? No. This, that last one that they did was, uh, uh, they gave me the impression it was a scam. And they were trying to put this weather balloon stuff back into place. This one, the testimony of the, the people who actually were involved like uh, the pilots and the uh, radar operator they were telling their story but nobody was listening because there's a lot of skeptics out here talking about oh their stories aren't consistent and they're, they're dismissing what these guys are actually saying and eyewitness accounts are the primary thing that UFO sightings is all are really all based around but the radar operator they dismissed him because he didn't see anything he was seeing what was on his radar but that is if our radar is that bad and <laughs> he's looking at something drop, dropping from 80,000 feet down to 15 feet above the ocean yeah this is, this is the radar operator on the Princeton which was the companion ship to the Nimitz that was right. part of the uh, uh, you know um, deployment exercise that they were involved in when they saw these bizarre tic tacs descending you know, in, in less than a second from 80,000 feet. Um, what I found interesting, coming off what you just said, Keith, is we had, sitting there right in the middle of the, of the three witnesses, an absolute bona fide bureaucrat. I mean, uh, uh, Grush is the consummate bureaucrat. 
He spoke in bureaucratic ease. He spoke with an arrogance that frankly was kind of off-putting. He spoke in lingo. He, he obviously came off as one of the in-crowd who had his nose bent out of shape because he discovered he didn't have the power he thought he had. And when he tried to go beyond it, he got slapped down and he slapped back. But it's like the hero of the hour was a Washington bureaucrat who basically showed you don't have to be a witness. You have to be in a position of power to interview other witnesses. Otherwise, no case under any DA would ever come to trial because, of course, the DA was not a witness to every murder, every bank robbery, every whatever. So we've established in this hearing that people who interview principals are as bona fide to tell the truth as people like Farver and uh, the other pilot. Braver right. and Grace. Uh, could I inter- could I just interject here? I'd like to politely disagree, if I may, with your assessment of David Crush. I do not see him that way at all. Okay. Uh, he did not exceed his power when he was working at the UAP. In fact, he operated within uh, the context of the job that he had when he received the information from uh, people reporting to the UAP task force appropriately, he passed that on. Oh, I'm getting feedback. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing an echo for some some reason. Let me move the mic away from my mouth just a second. Uh, He passed that on to some appropriate people, and then he started getting grief, meaning, you know, we, we didn't want you to do that, your job. And when the grief got intense enough, he then went to the inspector general, ultimately in both the DOD and the intelligence community, and was represented by the former intelligence community IG Charles McCullough, and in fact got a, a return uh, and a verdict that in fact, yes, this was an urgent matter, need to be dealt with. And it was dealt with. But... There's only so much you can do. It's like those restraining orders. People get in the courts. They never work. You end up on dateline. And I was one of those murder victims. The point is, is that he continued to get uh, threats, including his family. And that ultimately led to him resigning from the UAP task task force and ultimately going public with his concerns as a legitimate whistleblower. By coming public that way, he has taken enormous risk. He has been through hell. He is an absolute national hero. Furthermore, the reason he sounds like an expert is because he is an expert. And his job is to go up there and speak in the most precise and appropriate terms about what is going on. And he did that. For those who are not as familiar with the subject matter and with the ways of government, they may find it hard to understand. But that's not his problem. His problem must be as precise as possible. And that's what he did. He was assertive. But not arrogant. I have seen enough of the man to know that he is um, trying to do the right thing. He is under a lot of pressure and he's being inserted to make it known to people. I'm serious about this. And he's not grandstanding, I assure you. So I just want to put that out there. Just a counter view of David Grush, who I have come to admire. Okay, we are at the top of the hour. My guests this morning, too numerous to mention, are uh, listed on the other side of Midnight website. You're on the other side, and it is Sunday night, the uh, 30th of July, here on the other side. We have a very remarkable conversation going. We'll get back to it momentarily. 
My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.